we're all about reducing risk and, and getting rid of it as much as possible. But with technology changing as fast as it is, I'm not sure that's possible. And if you're not risking, you're not experimenting, you're not testing, you're not growing. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to this fun episode of the Flip My Fault podcast. I'm in Atlanta right now. It's pouring out there. And I have with me Steve Anderson, who wrote the Bezos Letter, which has been going incredibly well. It's like Wall Street Journal. It's a USA Today bestseller. It's been translated, seems like, in 14 different languages, and it literally just launched in, I think, September. So I yeah. asked Steve to give me a copy of it. He generously sent one. I just went through it because it's super easy to read. So I'll encourage everybody to pick a, pick a copy for themselves. And there are like these 14 principles to grow your business like Amazon did. And I, I felt like it was fascinating to pull all that together. So I invited Steve to join me on the podcast. So Steve, welcome to the show. Dangram, uh, what a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, my friend. I mean, this is so good. We, we started off before we started to record, like it is so well written and so well thought out. So we're going to go into some of the ideas. Before we do that, let's hear a little bit about yourself and a fun fact. So been in the insurance industry for uh, my entire career. The last 20, been focused on technology development and how it can be applied in the industry. So I do a lot of reading, research, writing, do a lot of speaking. Uh, you just around a, a technology, very broad. And that's what I look at. Fun fact is uh, my hobby is cooking. And uh, I, I always tell people, gentlemen, my wife completely supports my hobby. So, uh, I, I, and I, I've stuck, I do bring kind of that same technology geeky to cooking. So I can give you lots of examples of what that might look like, but I love experimenting and, and testing new stuff. I love that. Are you as messy? Uh, as, as typically a guy is who's not. No, actually, I, I get pretty focused on cleaning while I'm going. So when I'm ready to serve, the kitchen usually is fairly clean. You know, <laughs> and I know most people question. aren't that way, but I, no. I, I don't like working in a messy environment. Oh, uh, no, I, I get you because I am ex exactly the opposite of you in that case. I'm messy. So when I'm like, all right, I'm going to cook. It's like a full-on drama in the house, like the whole house is on fire and yep. all I'm cooking is an omelet, right? So yep. it's a really, really interesting thing that when it happens. And I, I try to do mostly Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings. Those are like my two days. Your two days to, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to do Perfect. breakfast or cook together, uh, dinner, obviously, uh, for the rest of the week. So, Steve, you have been a thought leader, in, incredible your business person on the whole different world, which is the insurance and risk. And I loved how you connected in your letter to everybody, like now it should be like Steve's letters, to like <laughs> how you connected the idea like Bezos letters. So go back to the genesis of why did you even start with this idea of writing a book? Um, we talked about that a little bit earlier before we started to record and bring back the, the one thing that made you like, all right, I got to write, turn this into a book. 
So you're right. I've been in my industry, my niche for a long time, and it's been very, very good to me. But a few years ago, I started going, okay, I I feel like I'm hitting a ceiling where I'm at and I want to expand out. So what would that even look like? Certainly the technology piece, you know, a lot of people do that, talk about it. What could be my unique take on that or a little bit different? And kind of in that technology area, I was really looking at okay, how is technology really affecting businesses? And I became very, very convinced that the speed of technology development was actually the biggest risk businesses face. And so I I came up with this idea that the biggest risk is actually not taking enough risk. You know, and coming from my industry, that's, you know, crazy, right? (laughs) We're all about reducing risk and, and getting rid of it as much as possible. But with technology changing as fast as it is, I'm not sure that's possible. And if you're not risking, you're not experimenting, you're not testing, you're not growing. And so I started researching companies who do it well and companies who didn't do it well. So, you know, the the Blackberries and the Blockbusters and the Sears now not making those transitions well. And then came across Amazon, obviously, as a company, very successful, continues to be successful. And, And I started asking why. So kind of like you, I I came across the shareholder letters and Mm -hmm. read a few, you know, had seen articles when they come out and and, and actually started reading them deeply. And then I realized, okay, there's a lot of stuff in here. And so I, I literally sat down over a several day period and read every single letter in order. And I started seeing themes. I started seeing kind of patterns weave through of Bezos and his thinking and started seeing how his thinking developed and changed and, and through the letters. So that led me to literally writing an executive summary, a one page. Here's kind of the key points of every letter. At that time, there were 20. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I put it together into a white paper. I was going to give it away, right, as a lead gen. Yep. Give me your email address and name, and here's this good information. And I showed it to my wife, who's in the book publishing business and had been for a, a long time and co-author. By the way, if you like the book, she's responsible for making it readable. And a couple other friends, and they came back and said, this is a book. This is not a white paper. And uh, I went, huh, okay. And so that started uh, literally about an 18-month journey of, you know, what is the book? What are the stories? And then, uh, and literally, I had written most of them, let's say 80% of the manuscript, uh, Karen already had agreed to help me write it, showed it to her, and I had done it in chronological order, Yeah, 97, 98, 99, and she sat down with me and said, I, I need to talk to you, and you know, <laughs> that's all you, guys see, like, I you know, that's never a good sign, right, yeah. <laughs> and she said, it's boring, mm-hmm. nobody cares what year he said what, people care about principles or takeaways, can you come up with, you know, a framework, uh, principles? I mean, that literally is the word we use from the very beginning. And I was like crestfallen and uh, I I don't know how I can do this. And uh, so I, I trust her implicitly. If she says it's boring, it's boring. And we didn't want to publish that kind of book. So literally a few days later, I came back with eight principles. We ended up expanding it to 14. And that's what you see uh, in in the book now. And we categorize those into four cycles. So test, build, accelerate, and and scale. And really, no matter where you are in business, if you're a brand new startup, 
you're probably in the test phase. You're trying to figure out, well, do I even have a product? And if I do, how do I get it out to the marketplace, right? All of those kinds of things. If you're a more mature company, if you're in marketing or sales or you're you know, leading a company, uh, frankly, your biggest risk is being successful. Mm. Because if you're not careful, that success will bring you to the point of protecting what got you there, not expanding, testing, experimenting with what's next. And so I think businesses of all sizes and types are going through these four cycles all the time. You could have one department in a test phase, another department in the build or accelerate phase. And so that, I think, helps just people think through one, 14, wow, how can I do all of those? Well, you probably can't, not at one time, but where are you now? Where do you need help to move forward? And which of the principles can resonate with how you're thinking or what you need to do? I love that that part, Steve, so much because when I looked at that, I'm like 14 principles. I'm like, that's a lot to remember. I'd rather have like four or five and, and hopefully I remember one. But then when you broke it down in the growth cycles, as you said, of test, build, accelerate, scale, I think for me as a founder of Terminus, we're about 200 people. We, we, build, we feel like we've gone through the test phase. We've gone through the build phase. It's important to go back to the the idea of bet on, bet on big ideas and things like, I think we have done some of that mm-hmm. and it's good to go back and revisit that. But I immediately went to the accelerate cycle. I immediately right. went to like, well, how do we make um, high velocity decisions? Like fast. Right. Um, <laughs> right. I, right. I, I remember that the, from his letters around like day one, there is no day two. And, and the companies in day one make high quality decisions fast or something like that. And right. that stuck with me because I'm like, that's the problem right now. We are too slow, even for a 250 company. Everything has just slowed down as if nothing is, is fast enough anymore. Right. What's wrong? And the, the wrong is there are too many people in decision-making process. There are too many changes going on. So the, this one area that I want you to, to take me to is really make complexity simple. Okay. Make complexity simple. That's the one that I have been like racking my brain around and thinking more about it. Like, because that's, I think, our job to do is like make people make things complex very easily. How do we make it simple? Walk me through what did you learn there? So let me, I'll start with a question to you and those listening. Why do you shop on Amazon? I, I'm assuming people have shopped on Amazon. If you don't, that's right. fine. But yeah. why? Why do you shop on Amazon? It, it's easy. It's fast. It's easy. And that, that is by far the number one response. It's easy. And so what Amazon has done for 25 years is continually focused on making things easier. The way I phrase it is taking friction out of the customer's interaction with you. And so Love what that. can you do to make it so easy there is no other option? Why is Walmart struggling with their online com- com- uh, commerce? Because they are, it's, it's harder, you know, when you, or any other site, frankly, that you go and shop at. I mean, think about those sites, whatever it might be, and, and, and your experience at Amazon. So let me, let me give you a couple examples. Okay. The Kindle. So Kindle came out in 2007. Uh, it was created actually in, uh, actually, the only department at Amazon that's sort of separate. And it's their hardware, all their hardware stuff. So the, the first item was the Kindle reader. And as he writes in that 2007 letter, he, he says, we had the audacious goal of trying to reinvent a book, something that's been around for 500 years. 
as he said, we knew it to do that, we had to think differently about the book and, and what the experience was with the book. And so he goes on to say, one of the things we realized with a good book is the book actually disappears. So as you're reading, the story is what comes out. You don't even realize if it's a good book that you're holding a book. So they needed to make the experience of reading a book on an electronic device so that the device flow, it really goes into the background. So that was kind of the first step. But they went several steps more. I love a good physical book, right? I have lots. Yeah. And I love a Kindle book especially a book that I know I'm going to probably want to take notes because how easy is it to highlight a section, a passage? How easy is it to put in a comment? And where can you go to find those comments? To your Kindle account, right? On, right. Your, on your Amazon. And all those highlights, all those notes, that actually becomes your executive summary for the book. So when you go back, you can say, okay, here's what I thought was important out of this right. book. That's called whisper sync. Now, when you read on a Kindle, and I actually read on multiple devices, so I have a Kindle typically at night before I go to bed, I like to read on a Kindle. I also have a phone. I also have an iPad. I can pick up any of those devices, open the Kindle app, and what happens? It starts where you left off on the other device. It asks, do you want to go to the last place you read? You do technology stuff, right? Yeah, that is incredibly complicated. Think about having to sync data with a device that may be turned off for three weeks and have it turn on all of a sudden recognize the device and then sync up all of those pieces. Incredibly complicated. Powerful. And all you do is say, yes, I want to sync to the latest uh, place that I, I read. And Later, not in 2007, but later, they added the capability into Audible. So I can be listening mm. to a book and pick up reading where I stop listening. Mm. And again, so that's an example of extremely complex technology that is invisible to the user. I love that, now, man. Now, let me get, I'll give you another quick one. As I was writing the book, PillPack, was acquired by Amazon. So PillPack is a online pharmacy. Their specialty is people who take multiple medications and then they package every day into one package, right? Mm. So you just open it, you take it at the right time and day. You don't have to worry about counting out and all those kinds of things. Right. Amazon bought them for a, a reportedly a billion dollars. And kind of the day that was announced, the three of the large, you know, CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, all their stock tanked right? Because Amazon's coming into the pharmacy business. Yeah. And uh, I, a few days later, uh, the CEO of Walgreens was on an earnings call and he was asked about the pill pack. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, um, you know, I'm not really worried about Amazon coming into the pharmacy business because they don't realize how complicated it is. And, and I, I literally remember saying out loud, yeah, but that's what Amazon does. They make yeah. complicated things simple. So that's, that's where that principle came from, is yeah. that whole idea. So again, back to your business. Do you really understand what your customer experiences? So one of the things I recommend is secret shoppers. Mm. Get people 
hire people, get friends, neighbors who don't know anything about what you do, and this applies to any business, and have them call up, get a quote, whatever it is that you sell, talk about a service, what happens? Where's the sticking points? I know in, in the insurance agency spaces, I spend a lot of time talking about this because people call for quotes, right, mm-hmm. on auto or home or business all the time. And uh, a lot of times the industry does not do a great job of, one, making that relationship connection and, two, following up, right? Yeah. So it's complex. What can we do to make it more simple? I love that. I love, I really love that idea. And I, I can even, I, you literally took me to a place where I felt like I was listening to that board call and this person saying that. And it is so true that complexity is what kills businesses. And yeah. in many ways, I feel like as soon as you become complex, your business becomes hard to run and your customers feel, find it hard. So I remember when we started Terminus, we said, because I come from Parbot and Salesforce, Okay. Um, that, mm-hmm. that background, I, I remember to set up an email system or email, just the first email, it took almost six to eight weeks or something right. like that. Hugely like, complex. What? what? Yeah. Like, I just need to send an email. Like, you know, why is it this whole process set up, sync, all that stuff? So we made a decision that no matter what, anybody who wants to launch a simple marketing campaign through Terminus, it should be no longer than 30 minutes. That would be the max that anybody, and in reality, is actually five minutes if you have all the, the graphics or, or anything Right, like. you have your, your um, assets together, right. Assets together, and, and that has been the most single. So if I go to G2 Crowd, I go and look at the G2.com where it has reviews for our product. I keep scanning for that and, and always look for, if somebody is saying, is it, it's a little bit harder, but it's okay. Like if I start sensing any of that, I'm like, we, you know, we, we need to get back to that. We need to get back. Right. We need to look at it again. We need to, and and part of what's happening is this is a continual process because companies like Amazon are setting the bar very high in terms of customer experience and interaction and, you know, how, how they deal with their customers and that whether we like, again, could be totally different. You know, it's, not like buying a book on Amazon. Yep. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, we need to continue to work on, again, I'll say this again, taking that friction out of our interactions with customers. I love that. Here, and that actually took me back to, I'm so glad you just mentioned it, to the other one, other principle is the 12th one, which is focus on high standards. Mm. And, and I, when I start looking at that, the first thought comes to me is people who are looking for perfection because a lot of times high standards also means that, you know, it's like so good that, you know, you're, you're an artist, you're a sculpture of sort. And I think about the, the way that iPhone, or I mean, it's like an art in a way. And I have a lot of respect for that, but, but I'm start, but as a entrepreneur, I'm like, I've, I've learned, that if it's 70, 80% there, I need to start shipping it to test if this actually is because the last 20% cost me more than the first 80% and it's not worth it 99% of the time. So I do a lot of percentage. And I think those go, I think those go hand in hand. I don't think they're in conflict with one another. Okay. So explain Um, that to me. Okay. So um, a a lot around the uh, maintain high standards in the scale, because it's in the scale area, right? is actually around employees more so than product. Now, Hmm. it's not exclusive to that because I agree with you 
you know, it, it, in, in fact, Bezos says, and it's part of that generate high uh, velocity decisions, Bezos says you should make decisions with at most 70% of the information you wish you had, right? right? That's part of that take action, keep moving. And, and what you said was we got to ship because frankly, we got to find out what the customers think, not just what we think here in the conference room where we're drawn out all our, you know, we think it's great and the customers don't like it. Well, right. I'd rather learn that early and adapt and shift and change. Right. So I think that's part of that. Maintain high standards, however, for, for Amazon, a lot of it's around hiring. Huh. That's so interesting. Think about this. In 2019, Amazon hired, brought on globally now, 187,000 new employees. Whoa. Yeah. So the question in the scale area is how in the world do they do that? And how do they maintain that culture that we recognize at Amazon is something different? Mm. Well, I think there's a couple things. So in the hiring process, in the 98 letter, Bezos says, we ask people who are hiring to ask three questions of any candidate they're looking at. Mm. Question number one, will you admire this person? And so (laughs) who are they? Will you admire them? Do you want them on your team? Are they a good team player? Second question, will this person raise the level of effectiveness of the group they're entering? And that, that's where he goes back to high standards of the employees we hire because I know, and as CEO, and we know at Amazon, that the key to our growth, to our, our everything that we do is having high quality employees, right? Yep. 100%. Now you got to have products. I mean, I, that, that's where I say they go, they go hand in hand. Interestingly, the third question is, along what dimension might this person be a superstar? <laughs> and he says, as he explains this, it's not necessarily work-related. So the example he uses in 98 is that one of the employees at that time at Amazon was a national spelling bee champion. And so he's, you know, and so Amazon right now at their headquarters in Seattle has an orchestra that people volunteer their time to play, you know, X number of times, you know, per quarter or whatever. Right. But what he's made the connection there is it's not all just about work. It's about the whole person, which brings in more creativity, you know, more ability to think differently, not just get in a rut and can't get out. Right. So some of those kinds of things. So the practical application of that now is there is a position at Amazon called a bar raiser. <laughs> and, it's, and, and so he says, actually, he says uh, in, in another letter, he said, I want every employee to think, boy, I'm glad I got in when I did because I don't know that I could get hired today because they're continually raising the bar. Wow. And, and the bar, here's what's culturally really interesting. The bar raiser is a nominated position. It's somebody who's demonstrated the ability to hire the right people that fit the Amazon culture. And by the way, everybody doesn't fit. You know, it's it's a hard place to work. I mean, there's no question. And I I have a comment on that maybe in a minute, but 
But the bar raiser then is in certainly very important hiring meetings, but most hiring meetings, and they have ultimate veto. They can say, even to the team, think about in your a department, let's yeah. say a marketing department, we want to hire this person, we think they're going to be good. And the bar raiser from another department says, no, I don't think they're the right fit. I don't, I, don't, I don't approve of that hire. Now, think about your division manager, your department manager, or the politics yes. you know, around that. Wait a, wait a minute. What are you telling me? I, I'm not making the right hiring decision. Yeah. And again, they work through it. It's not just like, no, but here's why. Here's what I see. I mean, they discuss it. But having that person, now multiple people, and they get extra training and all kinds of things, making sure that every hire is the right fit for the job that they're going into. I love, love that. I think I, I did not connect because I've not reached that part yet of high standards is actually more for team and people. And you're right. If, if you keep hiring the same type of people, then you're going to get the same type of results. If you- the, way I, the, yeah, the way I phrase it is actually A players want to work with A players. Yeah. B players don't want to work with A players because they show their flaws too too quickly. And so B players hire B or C players. And then you get that, you know, we can talk about this, but then you start that slide into day two thinking and not being day one. I already took like two pages of notes on this one. So try to keep this really to one or two points. And I think we got more than that. So I'm going to summarize with, maybe the top two or three takeaways from me. And then Steve, I would love for you to share one big challenge for people to kind of take it. So number one, I love when you started talking about the idea of speed of change. And I, I think the speed of making decisions, speed of change in the technology, speed of change in the customer behavior and what they need. I think if you are in marketing sales today, I think you need to realize and recognize that the speed is really fast and you just start adapting uh, to that. Uh, one of the one of the things that I'm really taking away from this conversation is that how do you take friction out of the customer experience and start mm-hmm. focusing on that? So I highlighted that I'm going to reach out to my team and talk about this as a topic. Is like where is the friction? Let's just identify. Let's not talk about the good and amazing. And the, no, no, no. Let's just talk about if I'm a customer today and if where is the friction? Let's just write down on a whiteboard and figure out a way to cut down those friction points to as little as possible to like nothing. So yep. that is going to be what the one of my biggest takeaway and hopefully some, some people take something out of it. I love the part where you talked about this audacious goal and the fact when Amazon said they're going to try to reinvent the idea of a book. And you said something that really like, like appealed to me is that this idea that the, the distance between like, when they when they have to rethink about it, obviously it's no easy task to rethink that. And you said that in a way they found that the book actually disappears and the story appears, which is really the point of the book. The book is not a pieces of paper; it's actually right. a story from from you know from the Old Testament story. Like it is the stories that gets you, grips you, reminds you, it makes you, and and you take it and share it. It's not the physical book. The idea of physical book is that that's how people could write it. So I'm I'm just trying to think about is like, what are the things that we need to do and and, and consider where maybe we're focused on the wrong thing. We're focused on the cover and not not the ingredients. So it's just, I think it's a really fine point that I need to get into deeper, but it really moves me to think about like, wow, the book could disappear 
but the story lives on. Mm-hmm. That's the sense of the book. So what is this? And, and, and again, I would say, how do you translate that idea into what you're doing? Certainly your listeners, you know, what, what, what are, what's going on in your business right now that actually you could have the, an audacious goal, right? Yeah. M- what might that be? And really think about the, again, from the customer uh, lens and, and viewpoint. And, and again, yeah. the phrase Bezos uses all the time is we invent on behalf of the customer. I love so that. what can you do to invent on behalf of the customer? You know, that, that makes me like, really, if, if, I'm, if I'm a salesperson or marketer listening to this, I would say, I would really challenge them to think about like, how could you let the product disappear? Because product is not what they're buying. They're, they're buying a solution to right. a pain, right? So a lot of times we get into the product feature conversations, like maybe how do you get out of the, I talking about the product and the features and the pricing and all the things that goes along with it and get to the actual, like, what pain are you really addressing? What is exactly. Keep focus on the pain. So the, 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 probably the, some parallel to that is the book and the story is to what a product is to the pain that yep. you're going to reveal. All right. So, and, and then the, la- the last one uh, for me, I took a bunch of notes on this idea of high standards for hiring. Yes. High standards for hiring. So I hope people take away that, like, we need to always hire up so that it elevates you up. And if you see your team not hiring up, then you got B team, as as Steve said. And you need to fire them and you need to get the right kind of people in there because you need to be hiring people that can do better and smarter things than you. So a lot of great things. I'll have a ton in the show notes. We'll also have the link to the book, uh, uh, Jeff Bezos later, 14 Principles to Grow Your Business uh, Like Amazon um, um, in the show notes as well. But Steve, can you share a challenge that, that people can take away from this? There's so many I could think of. Um, I, I think the I think the one that's coming to mind though is, and we talked a little bit about it, is do you really understand what your customer goes through when they interact with you? And mm-hmm. so, don't assume you know. Uh, certainly, leaders, owners, I, I say all the time, you know, y- you don't always know what's going on at the desktop, right? That person who has that first interaction. I think a secret shopper, uh, multiple, right? Do, you know, and, and peop- somebody maybe doesn't even know your business and, and let them call in, get a quote. I mean, whatever the process is for you and have them take notes. What did they like? What didn't they like? Where, where did they stop? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm thinking about that all the time now and just my own interactions with different businesses and, and things like uh, this is difficult. You know, yeah. they should make this easier, right? Yeah. And, and, and it's not hard. And again, being successful, it, you obviously got to where you are because you've done some things right. The question now is, how are you going to get to where you want to be next? Mm. And you can't rely on what got you there to do that. I love that. I love that. Steve, thank you so much for sharing so much wisdom and your story, man. I loved it. Uh, uh, I wish you all this success. And I love that your book is not only in such a short period of time, not only become the, the Wall Street uh, Journal bestseller and all the things that you're getting at the national level, but also internationally in like 14 different languages. So that's fantastic. All the yeah, love. Thank and- you so much. Great. Loved the conversation. Really enjoyed it. Appreciate the time. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. 
If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.